Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Pastor Nate here. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. 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 So, wow. It's great to have every single one of you here tonight. And I can't wait till we get through this Bible study. I'm starting a new series tonight. It's called what? God's Amazing Grace. Can you shout amen? amen? So why am I talking about grace? Well, grace is such an important factor in our lives. Matter of fact, it is uh, that saving grace uh, that you have to learn to walk in. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about learning to walk by grace. Learning to walk by grace. Now, we talked about salvation and how... We need to be saved. We talked for multiple weeks, and I want to thank Brother Dan Tackett and Brother Carl uh, Davis for helping me uh, uh, during this time and teaching the Word of the Lord. Um, I'm very, very thankful, and uh, they have done such a great job. Tonight, though, we're going to jump into a new series. This is going to be a series based on Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8. We'll skim over uh, chapter 3, 4, and 5, and we will see where the Lord will take us. Um, actually, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about chapter 1, but God's amazing grace. Grace, by grace are you saved, uh, through faith. It's uh, one of the most um, important revelations. Um, besides being uh, what God is and who He is, the revelation of Jesus Christ, I really know and believe that this uh, revelation of grace is so important. Um, I have... Um, taught grace from so many angles to help us have a complete and whole understanding of what God wants us to understand about grace. Now, if you're watching tonight, I hope you'll get your Bible out and turn to uh, the book of Romans. I'll be going there in a few moments, um, and we're going to be reading the scripture. But let's dive into grace. Amen. So we can look and see that we must learn to walk by grace. Learning to walk by grace is so important. If you don't figure this out, you're going to have a very frustrating Christian experience. You're going to have a very uh, frustrating time in your life serving Jesus Christ. Because Christ purchased grace for us on Calvary. By grace are ye saved. There is a uh, purchase of salvation, a purchase of this beautiful thing called grace. So let's look. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, of course, we know exhorts the church in Rome. The church in Rome uh, was a church full of Jewish people in the house of Caesar. And they were there uh, as slaves. They were there as, as people that served the, the Romans. <clears throat> so Paul will make several um, uh, references to slavery because of the fact that they were slaves. They were living slave lives. And so they understood that. And it was from a place of understanding that Paul wanted to speak to them. So we're going to look and find in Romans chapter 1 through 3, he establishes God's judgment. I won't take time tonight, but Romans chapter 1, if you ever want to know what sin is, um, if you ever want to know the definitions and what God calls sin, read chapter 1 of Romans. It is a definitive um, cry about sin and sinful things. So when you look at the book of Romans, chapter 1 really sets the stage of this is what sin really is. The beautiful part is that Romans continues on and covers so many subjects, 
But in chapters 5, or 6, 7, and 8, he really talks to us about this wonderful thing about grace. Yes, sin is there, but grace is greater than our sin. When we establish in our hearts Christ obeying his word and allowing him to work in our lives. So chapter 1 through 3, he establishes God's judgment on the ungodly and that no one, come on, that's right, no one is righteous. Now, you and I both know that we're righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? We are righteous not by our own works, so they are filthy rags. We are righteous by the blood of Jesus. So we can look and see there. Uh, in chapter 4, we are introduced to justification by faith. And I will deal with justification by faith um, at a separate time because it is a subject unto itself. It is um, so powerful and it's so important that you understand justification by faith. Um, it is an absolute uh, add-on to grace. They are hand in hand, so we'll talk about that at a later time. We'll come back to justification by faith in chapter 4 of Romans. In chapter 5, we learn that this justification by faith comes by the blood of Jesus Christ. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. I am so thankful that God's blood covers us, that he covers our sins, and that we are justified, not by our works of righteousness that any man should boast, but rather we are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we learn in chapter 5 about that justification by God's blood. In chapter 5, we find also the abundance of grace from Christ. So we learn about justification by faith, and then we began to be introduced to this beautiful thing called grace. Grace, grace. Oh, there's so many songs I can sing to you about grace right now that fill my spirit, but uh, we're going to go to the word of the Lord in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. Read this with me, if you will. God's law was given so that all people, all people, amen, should see how sinful they were. Uh, I love that it's speaking in the past tense here, that they were. They're not now, but they were. Uh, that's why Romans 1 is so important. Understand what sin is. Call sin, sin. Amen? But there is a place here that he talks to us. But as the people sinned more and more, Paul writes, God's wonderful grace came more abundant, more abundant. The grace of God did not dwindle, shrink, and go away when people sin. No, it became more abundant. He gives grace to everyone, to all people, to every person, color, kind, or creed. It's God's grace that is a saving factor in our life. It helps us continue in our walk with Christ, continuing to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Um, it's important that you recognize, we've been talking about how to be saved and what is salvation and what does that look like. And then we also came back and talked about salvation and the continuation, what it means to continue in your salvation. This grace that I'm teaching to you about tonight is the absolute epicenter of you going on and learning to live for Jesus Christ, not by your works, we're going to learn, not by my works, but by the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Someone say amen. So God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. This is how we walk in the Spirit. This is how we continue to walk with God and not turn back to the sin that does so easily beset us. 
It's important that you recognize in your life the sins that so easily beset you. Amen? They are important because it's here that we learn the, the, uh, the application of grace. Grace was not given to us so that we can sin and do whatever we please. No, we're going to learn from the, Roman, the book of Romans here that Paul says you cannot continue in sin, that grace may abound. It abounded more abundantly towards us when we sinned, but it doesn't mean that we can continue in sin. It's not about that. It's about turning from sin to God and trusting that he will save you by his grace. We learn uh, to walk by grace um, here uh, in chapters 6, 7, and 8. I'm going to uh, slow down a little bit because I'm trying to give you an overview. And then we're going to be going through chapter 6, 7, and 8 over the next several weeks, probably four or five weeks. We're going to see where God will lead us as we talk about grace. We learn from Paul how to walk in this grace that God purchased for us on Calvary in these three chapters. Now, again, there are so many other places that I could teach to you about grace. Uh, we can talk about grace from many or multiple directions, but tonight I want to focus in these next few weeks on chapters 6, 7, and 8 of Romans. The first thing we learn when we're learning to walk by grace is this, I must die to truly live. Someone say amen. I must die. That sounds gruesome, right? Uh, yes, it's not talking about physical death as uh, our body is dying. It's talking about our spirit man. Our spirit man must die to our flesh in order for us to truly live in Christ. Not my will, but what thy will be done. Living for Jesus Christ is not about me and my ambitions or my my things that I want, my will it is about me seeking the will of Jesus Christ in my life and following that. What does that mean? That means I gotta put some things on the altar. I gotta put my life on the altar, my anger on the altar, my bitterness on the altar. I've gotta put all these things that I deal with in my daily life on the altar of the Lord. Why? Because I must die in order to truly live in Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 14. Let's go. Learning to walk by grace. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 says, When then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? He asked that as a question. Ah, well then, should we uh, just keep on sinning? Should we just, you know, he purchased... Uh, my salvation on Calvary, does that mean that I can just do whatever I please and allow uh, myself to just uh, do whatever my flesh desires? And does that mean I can be saved when I claim grace? Well, Paul has an answer for you in verse 2. Of course not. Can we all shout that? Of course not. It's a portion of learning. So many times in our life as Christians, as new Christians, as seasoned Christians... We have hang-ups. We have things that we struggle with on an ongoing basis. We know that Paul also wrote these words when he said, Seeing that we are compassed about by such what great of cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. 
We know that Paul over and over, Jesus commands us to stop sinning, stop being sinners, call sin, sin, and turn to Him. Give your life, not just in your mouth, but in your head and in your heart. Uh, I'm going to go back to something I always say all the time. Your mind is still what? The battlefield of your soul. So many times we mess up, we fool uh, up and we mess up uh, in our lives and we think, oh man, I did this again. I cannot believe this. And I, I, if I was God, I would not forgive me. Can I have an amen? Yeah, I have done it so many times or I've failed so many times that I cannot get through this. And we allow that feeling to be added on by the spirit of the enemy of our souls. And he says, yeah, that's right. The accuser of the brethren. <laughs> he comes and says, you're right, you're never going to be saved. You are unworthy. You are terrible. And he becomes the accuser. He was tempting you a minute ago, and now he did a quick change in the booth. And now he's the accuser of the brethren. And he tries to get you to continue in sin. The whole goal of Satan in your life is not that you sin. We are all sinners. Some shout Amen. But we are saved by grace. That's right. So he wants you to continue, Satan that is, wants you to continue in sin so that grace cannot cover you, so that mercy must run after you. It's there that he tries to trap us in our mind, making us think that we are not worthy. So what does he say in verse 2? Of course not. Since we have what? Died to sin. There it is. We must die in order to live in Christ. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Live in it. Live in it. If you are living in something, you are continuing. If I live, <coughs> someone say amen. If I live in sin, then there I am. I'm going to die in sin. So I cannot be alive to Christ and still living in sin. I've got to reject sin as God reveals it to me, as he confronts me with it in his Holy Spirit. We must shed that sin and move forward and live in Christ. So, learning to walk by grace. Amen. We must change in how we operate. Someone say operate. If you don't change what you're doing, you're going to get the same thing every time. You cannot do something over and over and try to get a different result each and every time. Because if you do something the same way every time, you're going to get the same result every time. So we must change how we think. We must change how we live. We must change how we operate in the Word of God, how we operate in our life. In order to experience daily, everybody shout daily. Why do I say that? Because Paul said he struggled every single day. And if the Apostle Paul struggled every day with sin, who are we to think that we're never going to struggle with sin? Paul said, I die daily. There was a part of him that had to die every day. And that was that sin that would try to so easily beset him. So Paul writes, and we learn here, in order to experience daily victory over sin, we need to know some things. And here's what we need to know. Number one, write this down if you will. Number one, what we've been set free from, that we've been set free from sin through Christ. Everybody say free from sin. 
Yes, you've been set free from sin. Where? Through Christ. Through Christ. Not through Nate. Not through Carl. Not through the church. Not through an organization. Not through your uh, uh, online friend. No, you have been set free from sin through Christ Jesus. So we can learn here in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Or have you forgotten, Paul writes, that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, this again shows you why baptism is not optional. Why baptism is an absolute in the Christian experience. It's because when we are joined with Christ in baptism, the only way you can be joined with Christ is where? In baptism. That is pretty emphatic here. We joined him in his death. We joined him in his death. Now, this is the death that I've been talking about earlier. It's not a physical, it's a spiritual death that we uh, have to die to ourselves in order to live in Christ. Verse 4 says, For we died and were buried with Christ. How? By baptism. So we joined with Christ in baptism. And what? We were buried, right? We went through the process that he went through when he died on Calvary. He was taken to the tomb. He was buried in that tomb. And then he what? Rose again unto new life. So just as Christ was buried from, uh, was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live in what? New lives. So if I die to self, I get to live a what? New life. A new life. So we find in verse 5, since we have been united with him, there's that word again, second time in this few verses, right? United. We're united with him. We're buried with him. We are raised with him. Ah, are you getting the idea, the hint? Um, we're joined with him. Uh, there's a togetherness. You're not living for Christ and him be over there and you here. No, it's you're joined with him. Someone say amen. That we are together with Christ. That we are together with him. So now also may live new lives. Verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also will be what? Raised to life as he was. So we find going on in verse 6. It says, we know. How many knows? Huh? How many know? Amen. We know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might what? I can't hear you lose its power in our lives. I don't know about you, but I want sin to lose its power in my life. I want sin to get out of my life. I want sin to not have a, a death hold on my soul. I want, how do I do that? I'm baptized with him. My nature, my sinful nature was crucified with him on Calvary. I feel the Holy Ghost. And that blood that he shed runs through my veins today. Why? Because he gave me power over sin through this power of the Holy Ghost. No wonder it says in the book of Acts, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. This power is that sin would be loosed from your life. We are no longer slaves to sin. Now he makes reference to slaves here because remember, he's writing to Jews in Rome that are slaves. He was talking their language. They knew how hard slavery was. They knew the horribleness of slavery. And he tells them, we are no longer slaves uh, to sin. We have been delivered by Jesus Christ and the cross that he, uh, and the cross that he died upon. 
For when we died with Christ, I'm going to shout with Christ. Uh, yes, we were what? There it is again. Set free from the power of sin. Someone shout, I am set free. Come on, shout it like you're yelling at the dog. Come on, I am set free. I am set free. What am I set free from? I'm set free from the law of sin and death. I have been delivered. Now, if you don't learn to walk in grace, you will never believe that you've been set free. Because the enemy will trip you up and you will sin again. Someone shout amen. Your salvation does not guarantee you'll never sin again. We are in a body of sin. We were formed in sin. And in sin did our mothers conceive us, is what David wrote in, in the psalm. It is here that we learn that we are sinners, but we are saved by the what grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through faith. It's important that you recognize you are set free. If you're never going to change your thinking on this, you will always struggle believing you're not saved. One of the hardest things I do as a pastor is being with people when they are in their uh, deathbed and they still don't believe they are saved. They cry and weep and wail and repent from ever. I cannot tell you uh, how many times I've been with people that that they want to unburden themselves from all the sin that they have. And I tell them, you don't need to tell me. I'm not your Heavenly Father. I don't want to know. Uh, you need to talk to your Heavenly Father. And when you have, I'll say to them, have you asked God to forgive you of these things? Have you turned from them? Are you, are you moving towards Him and away from them? Yes, yes, yes. Then that is the salvation that God promised you. You are saved by grace through faith. Someone shout Amen. So we learn to walk by grace by these three powerful images used by Paul in teaching about the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. We find, number one, baptism is a image. It is a process. It is a command that we must obey in order to get this freedom from sin. We understand that we must crucify. We must lay down our life, our spiritual life, at the altar in order to live in the Oh, the promises of God. We cannot be our own gods. We must submit our life to God himself. How do we do this? Well, nailing it to the cross. <laughs> nailing our sins, our old man. Nailing him to the cross. How do we do that? Through prayer and fasting. How do we do that? Through repentance. Through baptism. We participate in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And, of course, he uses being a slave. Because that was such a powerful uh, experience for the Jewish people as they were going through slavery to the Roman people God says I don't care if you're in slavery you can still be free from sin did you hear what I just said I don't care that you're still in slavery I'm gonna deliver you out of the hand of the Romans but right now you need to understand more than being delivered in your physical hear me today I want to free you in the spirit realm too many of us get caught up with physical too many of us get caught up with temporal. We want freedom from all the stuff, the problems, the issues, the health, the sickness. All we want, and those are important things, and God will bring them about in your life. But most importantly, He wants to treat, uh, to teach you about the fact that you are no longer a slave to sin. Sin does not rule your life. It is not your master. Well, Pastor, then why do I still struggle with sin? It doesn't say you won't have sin or be tempted to sin. It says it's not your master. I always ask this question. Is what you're struggling with, is it your master? 
Is it your king? Is it demanding something from you that you have to give it daily, weekly, and monthly? Is it something that requires of you to put aside the word of God, the name of God, the blood of Jesus in order to satisfy that sin? That is a slave master. That is a master in your life. It's not struggling in sin. You have capitulated. You have given yourself over to that sin. You're not in grace anymore. You need God's mercy. And that's a whole other Bible study. But we can look and see that there is an important understanding here that you have been set free. But you must, listen to me, walk in it through obedience to the Word of God. You cannot obey your own thoughts, will, and way and be, what? Living in grace. You cannot listen to your own understandings, what I think. I recently had a conversation with an individual, and they said, this is, well, I, I don't think that. I, they kept using the word I, and I pointed it out to them. I said to them, can you talk to me about this scripture without saying the word I, we, or they? Can you talk to me about what the word of God says? Don't use, well, I read one time, or they, they said, or uh, my mom, or my grandmother, or this is what we believe, this is what I believe. Let's put that aside and say, what does thus saith the word of the Lord? That is obedience to his word. So, number two, uh, not only are we been set, have we been set free, but we've also been made alive. Everybody shout alive. Now, I just said you have to die in Christ in order to live in Christ. Well, this is what that alive looks like. This is the promise of being alive, not dead. Alive in Christ. Romans 6 and verse 8. And since we died with Christ, so he establishes that we have died. Earlier in verse uh, uh, 5, 6, earlier he says that we've got to die with him, that we've been joined heirs with him, and, and that we are uh, uh, united in death, united in baptism, all those things. In verse 8 he says, and since we died with Christ, we know we will what? Also live with him. Christ died a physical death. Thankfully, we don't have to go through that. He took our place. Amen. And when we look through those lenses, we see that we will live with him. We will live as he lived after his resurrection. We are sure of this. Someone shout, I'm sure. I'm sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will what? I can't hear you. Never die again. Someone shout, never. Ah. And death no longer has what? Any power over him. Sin doesn't have power over him and death does not have power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. Why did Christ come? Why did he come to seek and to save them that are lost? Why did he wrap himself in flesh and dwell among us? Why did the word come? Why did Jesus come was one reason and it's right here before you. He died once to break the power of sin. To break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Now, Learning to walk by grace, you must understand, uh, because we are alive in Christ, we should consider ourselves dead to sin. Now, I want you to pay attention over the next few minutes because I want you to have no confusion in your heart. I want you to have clear understanding. And this Bible study builds upon itself, so it, it is not complete tonight. I'm going to finish here in a few seconds or a few minutes. And 
it's going to be a, a Bible study to begin. Uh, you will need absolutely to have the other Bible studies that I'm going to be teaching as connecting parts to get the whole puzzle of understanding. Someone say amen. Because we are alive in Christ, we should consider ourselves dead to sin. Dead to sin. Listen, this is so important. Are we dead to sin? What does that mean to be dead to sin? Does it mean that we no longer sin? Someone shout, no. No, because we are all sinners saved by grace. It doesn't mean that we don't have failure or fallings or moments of weakness and moments where we need God's grace and God's mercy at times. What he's saying here is that your mindset must be that I am under the blood of Jesus and that grace is covering me when I am in this world and I know that I have sinned. It allows me a space of grace to get my life right, to be alive in Christ by repentance. It's important that you recognize this. So let's continue to read in verse 11. So, you should consider yourselves, here's what Paul writes to the slaves in Rome, the Jewish people that are saved and in church. He says, you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. Now, that word consider is an interesting word. The word consider is something that you do in your future. When you consider something, it's something that uh, you either have done or will do. It is something that um, is contemplative. It is, I'm going to consider. In other words, what I do here will matter what happens over there. Um, I'm going to consider the consequences. I'm going to consider the cost. I'm going to consider, there's so many places uh, in our life. We buy a new car, we must consider the monthly payment. Can we afford it? Is it too long? Is it affordable in my life? Uh, in this Christ is commanding us. Paul is writing and saying, you've got to consider yourself. You've got to plan that you are not under the power of sin. You don't plan that, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm as a screw-up, whatever, I'm not God, you know, you just got to forgive me. No, no, you consider yourself. I'm walking in grace. I'm walking in the blood of Jesus. I'm walking in the name of Jesus. I'm walking in this new creature that he made out of me. So what do we look at here? We find ourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Alive to, through, to, uh, to God through Christ Jesus. And then he says in verse 12, Do not let sin control the way you live. Here it is. Here's the epicenter of these verses. Do not let sin control. Are you a slave to the sin that does so easily beset you? Does the sin that does beset you, do you repent of it and remove it from your life and work on your life and work towards betterment? Or do you allow that sin to lie dormant in your life and allow that sin to what control the destiny of your life? Are you considering, is it controlling my life? If the sin that is besetting you is controlling your life, you are no longer free. What does that mean? That means that you need mercy. The mercy seat. You need the mercy of the blood of Jesus. You need the forgiveness of the initial blood that God shed for you in salvation. You need to go back to the altar and say, God, forgive me. This is not about grace. If you run... Shall we continue in sin that grace may what abound? God forbid. Don't continue in sin. And this is what he's saying. If you think you believe 
then you don't consider that I am a free man in Christ by the blood of Christ, then you will always live under the cloud that I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. Look, I am a sinner, but I know where I stand. I stand in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And I am alive in Him because I die daily. Daily, 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 daily. Too many of us do not die daily. We die once a month. We die once a year. We die once every once in a while. God is calling the church. He's calling the people of God. He's calling the state, the nation. He's calling the world to live a life of repentance. Die daily. Do you bow your knee every single day to the throne of God? Do you ask God to forgive you of things known and unknown that are sinful in your life? If you don't, you better start. Because you are not free from sin if you let sin control your life. God promised you freedom from sin, but you must live in grace. Having sinned, you don't live there. You quickly realize your sin. You repent and you turn from your wickedness and you ask God to forgive you. And he is faithful and just to forgive you, John writes, of all unrighteousness. So it's important that your mindset is not one, I'm a sinner. Come on now, hear me. Your mindset cannot be one that I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I screwed up again, I messed up. No, that cannot be your mindset. Your mindset must be, I'm a child of God. Yes, I screwed up yesterday, but I repented and my father heard me and he forgave me and I'm going to do better today. That's a new creature in Christ. If you let your old man control you, you are still a slave to sin. I find too many times in our lives and people that I pass through over the last uh, many years that um, they enjoy their sin and they enjoy the guilt that they feel when they sin. It makes them feel like when they repent, it's that, that they've done something. That they, I, look at here, I repented. I really felt bad about what I did. And it makes them feel better about themselves that they're actually doing something to show repentance. And then they do well for months and weeks and sometimes years. And then they, they go back to their sin because they're, they're, they need that feeling again. And you, you may think I'm crazy, but I've been doing this a long time, folks. And I'm telling you, sometimes people are really in love with their sin. They're really in love with that feeling of forgiveness. And Jesus says he will forgive you when you ask, when you truly turn. And so many times we turn but we let sin come back and control the way we live. Do not give in to, listen, do not give in to sinful desires. We all have sinned. Someone shout, all have sinned. This is not a matter of perfection or I'm better than you. No, this is a matter of mindset. If I say mindset, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You must have a mindset that says, I am a sinner, but first and foremost, I am a child of God. I'm saved. Sin is not my main gig. Sin is something I have to deal with every once in a while. I am saved. I am righteous. I am bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. So here we go. In verse 12, don't let your, what? Don't let your sin control you. Do not give in to sinful desires. And we should present ourselves to God and not present ourselves to sin. Who are you presenting yourself to? We're supposed to present ourselves 
to God instead of sin. Which altar are you sacrificing at? Are you allowing sin to control you and sacrificing? Oh, pastor, I would never do that. But does your life speak otherwise? Does your actions tell a different story? Does your attitude tell God something other than what your mouth is saying? I don't know about you, but I want my heart creating me a what? Clean heart, oh God, and renewing me a right. You want to know how to continue to walk with God? You've got to look at your life, be honest with yourself, and say, there are my problem areas, the sins that don't easily beset me. I know what they are. I know what I've struggled with in my life. And I'm going to be wise, 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 by the wisdom of the Word of God, by the wisdom of the man of God, by the wisdom of my Holy Ghost inside of me. I'm going to stay away from the sinful desires that easily beset me. I'm going to walk according to what? The Spirit and not the flesh. Someone shout, Amen. So, we should present ourselves to God and not present ourselves to sin. Let's read in verse 13. I'm almost finished here. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil and serve to serve sin. Do not let any part of your body. Do not let any part of your body. Don't let your tongue become an instrument. Don't let your mind become an instrument. Don't let your hands become an instrument. Don't let your feet become an instrument. You know why you got to put on the whole armor of God? Because you got to gird yourself up in your mind, in your spirit, in your heart, on your feet, in your breastplate of righteousness. Uh, uh, you've got to put on uh, the things that God has commanded you. Why? So you're not allowing your body to be instruments of the sin that tries to beset you. Instead, Paul writes here in Romans, instead, give yourself, what? Shout it with me, completely to God. Come on, someone write in the online session, uh, completely. Uh, C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E-L-Y. Completely, completely to God. Completely. Are you reserving parts of you from God? Are you telling God he can have everything but this small little closet in the back of my heart? Are you allowing yourself to fool yourself into thinking that I don't think it's that bad? I really don't see where it's a big deal. I don't, you know how many times I hear that? Well, I, I, you know what, I just don't feel like it's wrong. I just don't feel like it's, it's, it's bad. I, I, I just don't see it that way. You know what? When you get before God at his judgment throne, you're not going to hear him say, Oh, well, I didn't think of it that way. By George, you're right. Maybe it's not that big a deal. No, he's going to say, You came to me and you prophesied in my name. You cast out devils in my name. You did all these miracles in my name, but I don't even know who you are. I don't know you. I don't want that in my life. I said, I don't want that in my life. The Bible says, instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. You were dead in sin. Now you have a new life. So what? Here it is. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Use your whole body as an instrument. You can't just serve God in your head. You've got to serve him in everything that you do. Someone shout amen. amen. Sin, verse 14, is no longer your master. 
is no longer before you no longer live under the requirements of the law. We can talk about that. I've talked till I'm blue in the face about how the law cannot save you. The law cannot forgive you. The law is no part. Uh, it's been fulfilled. It's been complete. It's no longer our schoolmaster. We don't have to obey its, its rudiments and its all the things that were in the ceremonies of the law. But we must come under the law of Christ, which is purchased on Calvary, and it's called grace. The grace of Jesus Christ. Sin is no longer your master uh, unless you allow it to be your master. Unless you continue to walk in sin. God forbid. We find instead you live under the freedom of God's, there it is, of God's grace. Freedom of God's grace. Uh, uh, let me close with John 8 and 34. Jesus is speaking here and this is what he says. I tell you the truth. Everybody who sins is a slave to sin. How many of us sin? All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A slave is not a permanent member of the family. Think about what Jesus is saying here. A slave is not a permanent member of the family. But a son is part of the family forever. What are you? Are you a son, a daughter, or are you a slave? Are you allowing sin to control your life, dictate your life, let the outcomes of your life be what sin is, death? Or are you a son of God, a daughter of God? Which are you? You say, well, Pastor, I, no, it's up to you. It's up to me. We choose who we allow to rule and reign in our lives. We choose every day, I die daily. But a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. If the son sets you free. But if you're a slave and you decide, I don't want to be free from slavery. I don't want to turn from my sin. I don't want to walk away. Then you'll continue to be a, a slave to that sin. But if you'll let Christ come and live in your heart. He will what set you free and you will be truly free indeed. Let's stop living as slaves in sin and live as sons and daughters of God. Someone shout amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of thanksgiving today. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this Bible study tonight. I'm Pastor Nate. I'll be back next week with a continuation out of Romans chapter 7. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. And we're going to talk continually about walking in grace, learning to walk in grace. God bless you and keep you. Have a great night in Jesus' name. Amen.